<laughs> That's what who, I said. Who isn't, um, who isn't interested in relationships is what you said. Just, yeah, exactly. It's all of our life's work. It's, it's the hardest thing to... It's the hardest thing to actually love one another person is one of the hardest things we will ever do in our lives. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm so with you. Look, I, I'm really, really, really interested in relationships. <laughs> it's my, it's, there's nothing more, I'm, there's nothing else I'm more interested in. Um, yeah, and, you know, like we interned last week, you know, the, the relationship is generally speaking not just with someone else. It can be obviously with ourselves as well. So I do extend the personal relationship outwardly to other people as well. Um, yeah, who's not interested in relationships? Who's not interested in being in relationship with other people? There's a few of us. There's a few people out there. They don't want to have anything to do with anyone, but most of us are pretty, pretty into it. <laughs> I do guess on that topic for some people, you know, it's ignorance is bliss. It's almost like if you unearth this stuff that, that may be in the unconscious or in the shadow and realise that there's work to be done. It opens up a whole can of worms that just unfortunately some of us aren't ready to really go there. True. Don't you think, Chad, that we're all, yep. we're all on the inside, you know, I guess yearning for relationship or is that is that just me projecting that? onto the entire human population. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of songs about big it. Question there, big question there, Dan. It's, um, yeah, I guess it's so varied. You know, even if we look at how attachment styles flow into relationship, early attachment styles and, and how they, you know, how we relate to our primary caregiver virtually in a way, unless we do this inner work, distinguishes how we form relationships in the world, not just intimate relationships, but relationships with friends and work colleagues, ourselves. So I guess that to me also flows into you know, something I've been thinking about this last week, attachment styles and, and how that affects our relationships. Yeah, so interesting all of that stuff. So is it fair to say that for as, for every person that's out there trying to work out how to get closer to the next person, there's just as many people out there trying to work out how to, how to get away from them? <laughs> I, I would probably, in my experience, say so. That's a really interesting thought because I've been thinking about that um where we're going because relationships are really difficult and they are, I think, on a global level, I think a lot of people are experiencing difficulty in relationship and perhaps we are evolving into a phase of human evolution where relationship with self is becoming more important and um you know, asking that whether you projected, answering that, uh, Dean, whether you project, whether you've projected that desire that you need relationship um, onto others. There are a lot of people, you know. For instance, there's always been monks and nuns and um, people who choose a relationship with God or self or whatever. 
and see human relationship as a distraction <laughs> from what they are trying to achieve spiritually. So that's another um, concept. And as you get older, I think relationship becomes, it becomes more important, but it becomes more difficult because you are grappling with your own mortality and facing the end of your life. So it's up to you to live and have have completed what your life is all about. Not what's that Robert Redford line in Out of Africa? He says, I don't, I don't want to wake up when she asks him why he left, and he says, I don't want to wake up one day at the end of someone else's life. <laughs> and I thought yeah, that really impacted me years ago. Anyway, um, and I guess that line guys. there flows into why this podcast may not be for everybody because it's almost like waking up from from realising sometimes what kind of life you've been living, you know, and that can be confronting mm. to a lot of people themselves. You know, this it's almost, you know, Carl Jung talks about this inner journey, we're better off not starting it if we're not prepared to, to see it through. It's harder to open this journey up and not continue it than it is to not open it up at all. The whole can of worms scenario, you know, as far as Robert Redford's quote goes, diet automatically reminds me of something that I think about often and, and related clients often, and that is that apparently so many people, uh, older people particularly close to death, um, really, really mourn not having spent more time in their lives concentrating on developing uh, intimate relationships you know, they always say, oh, you know, like the, the amazing professional, you know, the amazing, amazing job that I had, this profession, this you know, incredible house, the fast cars, whatever it is, you know, going back to the material stuff that we spoke to previously and also the aspirations and achievements that come with, um, you know, come with this cultural paradigm that we're pretty squared up in. So many of those, so many of those old people on, on the deathbeds are like, you know, well, I just wish I gave more to my children. I just wish I gave more to my relationship with my partner, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I guess a lot of those people haven't been prepared to open that can of worms that you allude to, Chad. Um, well, you know, the biggest question I've got, and this is, uh, I guess, being a little bit just stating the obvious, but you know, what benefit does it bring to be in relationship? How does it how does it benefit any of us to develop a relationship with someone else or others? <laughs> yeah, die, jump on in. Well, I was just thinking about that actually. Um, I think your relationships when I reflect back on all my relationships, especially in my youth, I think each one was a mirror for me and I think a relationship serves as a mirror and a growth experience. So it helps you clarify who you want to be. You're sort of growing at the same time so you sort of dispose of relationships as they no longer, you know, are aligned with your values or your your lifestyle choices or whatever. And I think that's where, um, you know, 
a mature relationship is able to cope if you have that awareness that that partner, it's not going to be easy, number one, to know that and not have the expectation of this. I think this is where relationships fail. As you said last week, I think, Chad, you said this high dream. It's like we all have this fairy tale concept of what it's meant to be and it's actually one of the hardest things you'll ever do and your partner will hold up a mirror once you've gone past the romance they'll be in every relationship and this has been my experience it might take longer in some but there will always be a point where you get to and there will be the mirror and there you are reflected again and until you've actually able to handle the reflection you see, which is you, then you're going to keep moving on and blame the other person and feel uncomfortable in that relationship. But it's actually you're uncomfortable with self. So you actually need to stop and maybe anyone will do. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're looking for this perfect thing, but actually we are all just running from ourselves and to see the other person that is you reflecting you and and be able to be at peace with that that's when you know that you've arrived at a place in yourself i think that okay i can handle this i'm so it all ends up being working on yourself anyway and you end up alone again facing death so you know but yes But, yes, agree totally that relationships, I think, are the actual journey to self. You know, for me, I can do it on my own, but that gets really boring. And to have someone, if if you're prepared to have that hard mirror and you're prepared to, what is it, Khalil Gibran says, you know, you have to laugh all your laughter and cry all your tears. It'll strip you bare. It'll just strip you bare and raw and you've got to be prepared to, take that journey which I think is harder than alone in a way (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah quote unquote yeah I think that's a really good thing to think that's it's super challenging there's no two ways about it relationships can be extremely challenging Chad I'm I'm going to hand it over to you in a second I'm just going to throw a couple of things out there really quickly um, to ponder, to contemplate for everybody. So I just said, you know, Di and I both just said that relationships are super challenging. Um, another way of stating uh, the, the mirror that we create to better ourselves is, um, is to say, you know, that we're, we're signed up for accepting a certain degree of um, challenge and the growth that comes alongside it. And I guess, you know, speaking from a perspective of karma or collective consciousness or however you want to um, define it, we do tend to gravitate towards relationships and anything in life um, where our consciousness has, has got a um, degree of focus that can bring us to a point of uh, identifying exactly what it is that we've got shit to deal with, um, often in the form of the mirror through the other person. And, um, yeah, that can be that can be really, really tricky. So are our relationships simply just that, just basically a, a mirror of our crap so we can grow and become better just for ourselves? Or is there a possibility that um, 
that we can actually exist in relationship in, in such a, a way, and let's just use energetic vibrational um, terminology, you know, in such a way that we're all vibing, we're all vibrating you know, in perfect alignment and there's nothing but just harmonious, perfect, blissful, joyful, epicness that defines us in relationship forever and ever. Does that exist, Chad? Yeah, big question. Big, big pondering there, Dane. Um, I guess for me, the school of thought, what I've kind of gone down is that relationships are here to make us conscious, you know, and, and what, what is that? You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of studies done on Buddhist monks and people that have locked themselves in caves and, you know, meditated for years and then come back out into the world and not much has changed because they've, they've learned how to do it with, without distraction, without that other energy, without that connection. So they've become completely still, completely, I suppose, at peace, completely enlightened maybe even, and then they come back out into the world and then they've got to deal with, with other human beings and, and the way of the world. And it's almost like all that's been lost because we are, we are in relationship. Like unless we're going to go and all live in caves individually, every one of us needs to be in relationship in certain parts of our lives, you know. And I guess, you know, that statement, relationships are here to, are here to make us conscious, not happy, you know, is a, is a big statement for me. It's almost like what even is the word happy, you know, what... You know, I suppose if, if love is if if love is an energy, then by me projecting that out onto another human being, it's almost like I'm unconsciously projecting them to be who I want them to be, and therefore that makes me happy. And then when they don't behave to the way that suits me, it's almost like I have the opposite effect because my needs aren't being met. And there's so much school of thought around this, you know, like it, I, for me it leads back to that unconditional love, you know, like what, what is unconditional love and that I have to unconditionally love myself before I can even think about unconditionally loving another. I feel like that's where a lot of us go wrong, where we seek salvation in this intimate perfect concept of a Hollywood construct relationship where we run off into the sunset happily ever after. But unless as human beings, we've kind of got to that happily ever after inside ourselves before we've gone into that or are making our way towards happily ever after, having some kind of relationship with ourselves, I feel like it's almost impossible to then create that in, a, in an intimate partnership. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a big topic, you know. It's, and, and I see it play out everywhere, you know, not just in intimate relationships. You know, in a lot of my counselling sessions, it's, you know, it's the person's boss or it's their kids or it's the person on the road, it's their mother 
You know, it's almost like when people aren't acting in accordance to the way somebody feels like they should be acting, there's a problem in the relationship. And that brings me back to that unconditional love. Like, what does that even mean? To love without condition. It's almost like, and that's, I feel like that's a lifetime journey in itself. You know, A, to love yourself without condition to start with. And then to start to love others without condition. You know, because really true love has no opposite. You know, if love is an energy, true love has no opposite. So how can I love somebody in this moment and then when they're not meeting my needs, all of a sudden I don't love them anymore? You know? So I guess, yeah, it's all about self. Keep bringing it back to self. You know, there's a lot of religious thought and a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of in a lot of religious concepts that talk about, you know, to know thyself. We need to, you know, love thyself before we can love another. You know, to know thyself is is the way forward in life. So yeah, I guess for me, number one is that in a relationship with yourself. Thanks, Chad. So it begs the question, how do you know when you're completely in love with yourself? I'll throw another couple of quick questions out there before I hand it over to you, Di. Um, maybe an anecdote or two. So how do we know if we're loved up enough, unconditionally enough for ourselves? to welcome in that relationship, to um, magnetise that, that person that can bring us complete harmony in, in relationship. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really big question um, and that's, that's one I'll leave open-ended for now as well. And then I guess what that alludes to for me when I, I contemplate these things and discuss it with, with friends and clients is you know, what does the you know, so-called quote unquote perfect relationship um, look like or you know what does the perfect partner look like and, and obviously using the word perfect um, really 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 broadly what does the partner that's right for us present like what's the energy feel like what's um you know we're not talking about blue eyes and you know blonde hair or certain physical attributes or professional um, achievements or you know material wealth or whatever it is what is it that, you know, on a, on a really broad spectrum, big picture um, level, is it that we, we really want to harmonise with? And so the anecdotal, um, I guess, summary that I come up with on that one is that we, we want to be in harmony, I guess, taking a step back, harmonious relationship. Harmony is, is an even vibration. Um, we, I think at the end of the day, we're all looking for contentness, uh, satisfaction, peace, um, harmony. I use all those words pretty interchangeably. And, um, yeah, to find ourselves in, in perfect harmony is, is a real goal that I feel is, is incredibly valid for all of us. And I'm so happy to be um, proven wrong or to debate it, keep it open to discussion. 
Um, the thing about harmony they really enjoy and the, the next level I attribute to harmony beyond just things feeling satisfying is that I feel like two people are better than one when it comes to harmony. Uh, the more that we're harmonising, the more harmony that we find ourselves with um, collectively, the, the more good that we can bring, assuming that the intentions behind the harmony, um, the intentions behind those relationships are coming from our higher selves. Um, again, open to discussion, what does that mean? Um, so, yeah, look, what I say to my friends is anyone that I know that's had a uh, meditation practice and has got a, an ongoing meditation practice and this was something that came up for with myself as well as um, when I'm in perfect harmony with myself is when I'm at the, the height of my meditation practice whether it be halfway through it or at the end or whatever hopefully it's throughout that practice and that's when I feel like I'm, I'm vibrationally harmonizing with with the universe with the divine loving essence that has no opposite, as you say, Chad, at, at my most, at, at my peak. And really what I want to do is basically find that same essence in harmony with, with others, be it my partner, my friends, anyone, really. So that's what I, that's what I suggest that we all um, strive to, to attract within ourselves and, and with others to find that harmony of, um, the, the highest vibrational experience we've ever been able to manifest in ourselves and, um, and choose to be in that with others. And the only other caveat that I add to that is that uh, it's, it's not easy to realise that we actually deserve that and that we deserve nothing less. All right. That's, um, that's my little spiel for now. Die conditional love. <laughs> How do we know if we're ready to... Um, to share share what we've got have we have we got everything we need to be able to give to that again quote unquote perfect relationship um, I think number the first thing you said was what I think that peace that peace in yourself is the knowledge that you're close to being able to do that if you've found inner peace with yourself then um, you're possibly in a position to be able to love without ego and have the empathy to understand someone else um, and that's the high love that's the that's the spiritual love basically but then there is this earth, the reality, the humanness, and, you know, whether that's a very high goal, you know, you cannot ever expect that to maintain that because functioning in our bodies as humans is inevitably going to bring up conflict. And the, and the cause of conflict is... Different expectations, number one, I think, in relationships, you know, you have, if you have both arrived at a place where you found that peace and that ability to have that ego-free, empathy-filled relationship, then you have a better chance of survival. But 
that's not realistic. And and most people, as we said, talked about, you know, when you're young, you choose, and it's all about perpetuation of the species because our biology is stronger than our minds at that point. And, um, but, you know, trauma, attachment style, as you were saying, Chad, like trauma, I think you know, it's very hard to speak from anything other than my own experience and it's so hard not to project your own reality onto what is truth because I only know my own truth. And um, I think if you've had trauma or something, some huge event in your life that has woken you up into another state, um, you know, things like a death, when you're young or, you know, severe tra severe trauma that has death I think is a big one um, because I think it, it throws mortality, your own mortality in your face and then you, um, you tend to live a different way, your whole mind and, you know, it's like having a whole new reality to, to uh, explore rather than the conditioned one. And where the people, some people don't have that or they, they have resilience and don't experience that, that crumbling of a perception of reality um, and just go on trusting life and trusting relationships and confidently roll into relationships and have babies and, and are able to negotiate that difficult marriage or whatever it is, relationship. Um, there's still people that maybe do that. And because of my experience, I've found it difficult. I'm projecting that onto the, the, the whole fabric of relationships as well. So um, um, I think I'll pause at this point and let someone else come in because I've just gone blank. Yeah. Possibly because I'm speaking from some, sorry, but might be because I'm speaking from a shaky part of me, maybe. <laughs> Thanks for your vulnerability, Di. It's so important in relationships. Chad, straight to you. Yeah, I guess following on from that, like I don't believe anything can really exist without its opposite. Like Di was saying, you know, it's, um, I feel like conflict and pain and suffering is a big part of growth. You know, and I really try and look to nature for that. You know, like whether we've evolved from, you know, a consciousness or whether you believe that we're just here by accident and we've evolved, we all have evolved from some source that I believe we're still part of. And if I, if I look to nature, and see the cycles of nature. It's almost like a tree going into winter, about to lose its leaves. You know, I feel like if if it was a human being, it would be it would be overthinking and not wanting to go into winter and whinging about losing its leaves and why is life so hard? You know, why why do I have to endure this winter? But then it has to go through that winter. And then when springtime comes, kind of blooms and it gets new growth and it just continually goes through this cycle. 
you know, the oceans have, have a high tide and a low tide a few times a day. You know, we have day and night. And I feel like from my experience in working with clients, it's almost like we've been led a lie through the fairy tales, through the movies that we watch, through the stories we read, through the Netflix series that we experience. It's almost like we've been fed this lie and that leads to this unrealistic expectation that when we have conflict in our relationships, it's not normal, it's not right, it's not okay. I guess, I again, I bring it back to myself. You know, when I'm at a point where I'm com- completely accept myself, then I feel like I can completely accept another person. And that means that I may have a different point of view on something. We may have two completely black or white experiences of something. But in saying that, moving towards a point where I still have a beginner's mind that I actually don't know. I, I don't think there's anything in the world I could be 100% certain on as a human being because things change so quickly and so much. So if I have this dualistic viewpoint that this is the way it is and this is the way it, it's always going to be, it's almost saying I'm right, I'm superior and you're wrong. And I see that a lot in the counselling sessions that I work with clients. So if I can accept that I can be right or wrong, and I can probably accept that the person that I'm in partnership with, relationship with, be it a boss, a daughter, an intimate partnership, a mother, that they would hold the same viewpoint that they could be right and they could be wrong. So summing up, you know, I feel like healthy conflict is a means to grow, except I don't feel in society we get models that healthy conflict very well. You know, it's almost like it's it's an aggressive attack or it's a run away from it. And, and, and I see that is a lot of, the downfall with people that come and see me is they don't know how to have healthy conflict, like conflict resolution. Because back to what I said at the start of our podcast today, it's almost like once you uncover this, it just opens up so much more. You know, that internal conflict with yourself. If you accept there's conflict in relationship and you really do the inner work, you've probably got to accept that there's conflict inside yourself. And that, that's a hard pill for some people to swallow because of that dualistic lens of, you know, it's everyone else's fault and I'm a victim and I'm going to play the victim and then therefore that makes you wrong and me right. So I guess for me, you know, harmony and conflict it's going to be that cycle and each time i feel like i go through that process with somebody or something or it, it actually brings me like if we can hand if you know if somebody can get through that well then that's where the growth comes because they feel heard the other side feels heard they don't have to agree 
but there's some kind of mutual respect. You know, respect and acceptance, I guess, for me, is probably the two qualities that I tell my clients they probably need for each other because we all want to be accepted for who we are. And then if we can respect somebody else's point of view, I feel like then ours will, you know, in turn be respected. Yeah, amazing. Thanks, Chad. Thanks so much, Di, as well. Um, Super quick summary. I think um, for the next session, let's talk about conflict resolution in relationship. Um, What I'm hearing now is that just like the the tides of the ocean and um, and the, the winds of the universe, everything changes. Everything's continuously changing. Uh, we know that we also base a lot on the premise, as me personally as a Buddhist, that, that all these things are interdependent. Um, certainly that seems to be the case in relationship with others. Anything that I express is... Um, is likewise dependent on on whoever I'm in relationship with, uh, the mirror that we talk to, die. We all die. Mortality, it's a big part that, you know, definitely brings a highlight um, to the relationship we have with self and those relationships we've formed in the past. And it's really imperative that we do accept that we are all, all damaged, that the pure spirits we come into the world in the form of uh, get exposed to things that are, um, that are, a real jolt to the, to the spiritual um, perfection that we assumed life was before we got that job, whether we call it trauma or anything or whatever else it's in us. And we spend our lives trying to, trying to um, basically disengage or to work it out and attract the things that allow us to do that. So yeah, through the cycles of change, we, we bring everyone in, in that will allow us to do that. Hopefully we can do it towards harmony and less conflict having that pure acceptance that these things are the case really helps and we can develop empathy by asking others primarily before asking ourselves why we're so right, 